This morning's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 2, and verses 17 to 19. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is God's word. Good morning. We want to once again welcome you guys to Metro Presbyterian Church. If this is your first time here, we are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, immediately after service, there's definitely a time where we can gather with one another and fellowship. So, you know, it's definitely a time where I encourage everyone as a, as a church, as a whole in oneness, uh, where we can come together and just celebrate the Lord's day. So that'll be immediately after service. Um, now, for the past few weeks, we've been going through a sermon series on the book of Hebrews, uh, specifically Hebrews chapter 11, where we're going through uh, the Bible's hall of fame, if you will, uh, where week after week after week, we learn about what it means to live by faith. So and we go through Old Testament scriptures and we go through these uh, Bible heroes and really learn about what it means to live in faith and what lessons we can learn from them. Uh, I'm going to ask that you will join me in prayer as we dive into the word this morning. Lord God, we want to thank you. Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy on the day that you have made, we worship you. So Lord God, may this time be a, uh, a time of worship, renewal. Lord God, oneness in you. And for maybe some of us that are here right now, uh, that's kind of hard to gauge, to really see the truth in that. So, Lord God, right now, may that truth be revealed in your word today. Lord God, I pray that you will use me accordingly to your strength. Oh Lord God, I am just a mere tool, and I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hand, so use me accordingly to your strength. Oh Lord God, may the word speak. May your spirit pierce hearts. May your people be renewed by your word. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. In the game of baseball, uh, there is something known as a sacrifice bunt. And what a sacrifice bunt is, it's a deliberately light hit uh, in a manner that would allow a runner on base to advance to another base. And at the same time, uh, the batter himself is sacrificed. So in this offensive play, uh, the bunter himself gains nothing. He becomes the sacrifice, but that sacrifice allows the entire team to get to the next plate, a higher chance to score. Now, statistically, um, the sacrifice bunt, it reduces the average run scored, but it increases the likelihood of scoring once which is actually a really great strategy, especially when your offense is running a little stagnant. 
Now, of course, uh, this sacrifice bunt, uh, it doesn't get much recognition uh, because hitting uh, and base running would likely to get more attention than this very unselfish play. Being a member of the 3,000 hit club uh, has a little bit more sex appeal and prestige than the most sacrifice bunts in baseball history. But in 2003, on the other side of the hemisphere, uh, the Japanese media covered a player who had broken a seemingly unbreakable record. And no, it was not the home run record. But as you guys would know at this point, it was the bunting record. It was a player by the name of Masahiro Kawaii, and he would break Eddie Collins' records for the most sacrifice bunts. Now, on this occasion, on this moment when he broke the record, Kawaii's team celebrated. They showed fireworks on the scoreboard. They had a ceremony showering him and loving him with flowers. His teammates would celebrate and embrace him. His wife and his children were in attendance, and the fans would stand and applause for minutes after minutes after this great act of sacrifice, a true moment of honor and glory for his sacrifice-bunt-filled career. Why am I sharing this? See, it's very rare in our society to celebrate sacrifice. But I think the idea of celebrating someone with the most sacrifice-bunts hits home as it relates to the Christian faith. See, just as the celebration of Masahiro Kawaii's career that emphasized sacrifice for the benefit of his team, the Christian faith is all about the celebration of one man's sacrifice for his church. So this morning, I want to talk about faith as sacrifice and how this is the core of the Christian faith. I got three points for y'all today, and the three points regarding faith as sacrifice is the cost, the ransom, and the reward. First point, the cost. Look at verse 17 with me. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, in the Jewish religion, this is known as the Ekedah. It's the binding of Isaac. And here we are reminded of the single most memorable example of the testing of Abraham's faith. So let's unfold this story a little bit. We start in Genesis chapter 12, and where we, is where we see God's promise to Abraham. What does God say to, to Abraham? What does he declare? I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. It's here where we see what biblical scholars call the Abrahamic covenant. It was an unconditional covenant meaning that it was an agreement between two parties. But in this agreement between two parties, only one had to do something, and nothing is required of the other party. Now, the Abrahamic covenant was an, an unconditional covenant. God made a promise to Abraham, and it required nothing of Abraham himself. 
What does this uh, promise consist of? Uh, There are three main features to the Abrahamic covenant. First, there was the promise of land, the promise of descendants, and the promise of blessing. So in Genesis chapter 21, we fast forward a little bit. It says that the promise had begun to be fulfilled in the birth of his son, and his son's name was Isaac. That's why in verse 18, the unnamed author of Hebrews says, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. All the covenantal promises came true. The, the, the fruition of life, the newness, the renewal in uh, Abraham and his descendants came alive in the birth of Isaac. But what do we see in Genesis chapter 22? God would command Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham is too tested to give up his son. Now, at an initial glance, the question is, why would God test Abraham to kill his son? God, why would you do such a horrific thing? But the word uh, test uh, in verse 17 actually helps us understand this a little bit more. Now, the Greek word here is peronomenos and is often translated as a significant test or temptation, and it only occurs four times in the New Testament. But most significantly, it's the same temptation or test as Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days in Luke chapter 4. See, when when Jesus is uh, being tempted, when he's going through a parazomenos, the test is to see if Jesus is the true Son of God. See, in Scripture, when there is a test, when there is a temptation, when there is a parazomenos, the testing is not just a surface-level type of testing. The testing is of your highest calling. So here... In the narrative of Abraham and Isaac, it's more than just Isaac. It's more than just a son. It was a test of the highest calling. It was a test of the direct value that gave Abraham his everything. What was the value for Abraham? See, when Abraham was summoned to Mount Moriah to deliver his own son to God, it was more than just Isaac. He was asked to surrender his future. Because see, uh, the fulfillment of the promise of status, success, future glory was tied to the life of Isaac. So what does this tell us? That the impending death of Isaac is not the obstacle The obstacle was the death of Abraham's blessing. It was the death of his future. It was the death of his security, his worth, his 401k, if you will. What does that mean for us today, church? What does sacrifice look like for us today? Well, if God asked Abraham to sacrifice his future value, I think in the same way, you and I are called to sacrifice the things that we value the most. 
See, when God becomes the ultimate value in your life, the things that you worship before must become less valuable. God does not coexist with the idols in your heart. He wants sole position of you and you alone. What does idolatry look like for us today? Uh, For us, uh, it may be success. For us, it may be family. It's money. It's relationships. Now, let me say this. We can have those things. In fact, they're not necessarily bad things, but they must not have the utmost value that takes away the pricelessness of the gospel. And just as Abraham was willing to sacrifice it all, the status, the success, the benefit, we are called to sacrifice the idols of our success, our family, our money, and our relationships. In other words, sacrifice is costly. But there is absolute worth for it leads to new life. Let me explain. Cancer is costly. It can take a toll on your health, your emotions, your time, your relationships, and your wallet. Each year, cancer costs the world uh, more money than any other disease, $895 billion annually. Even with health insurance and proper financial planning, uh, many cancer survivors of families uh, or families of patients, they suffer from medical debt. A study in 2014 found that 27% of cancer survivors reported suffering a financial problem like debt or bankruptcy. Another 37% reported modifying work plans or delaying retirement. Treatment is expensive, but as expensive as it may be, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be rare for someone to be like, hmm... I'll pass. No, that's not the response. As expensive as it may be, as is a rarity for someone to say no. See, for the sake of life, they will pay the cost even though the cost is great. Listen, in the same way, just as Abraham was ready to pay the cost for the sake of life with God, if the gospel for you is of, of ultimate value, We must live a life where we are sacrificing the idols that deceive us into our thinking that they give us absolute worth. See, the Christian faith requires sacrifice. The sacrifice is of great cost for it's asking you to sacrifice the things that you value the most. Church, if I may ask you, what do you value the most? But church, if I may be very clear, do not let sacrificial living be a result of your religious self-righteousness. See, a costly life, even though that is our call, it does not pay off any spiritual debt with God. Your sacrifices are worth pennies compared to the pricelessness of the gospel. Don't look at Abraham as the source of your motivation because you're going to be disappointed knowing that even Abraham's sacrifice was not enough. Your life of sacrifice does not pay off any spiritual debt. If this was the case, Isaac would have been slaughtered. 
God the Father knew this. He knew that salvation required something more. Salvation required a greater ransom. What's a ransom? A ransom is a payment demanded for the release of a prisoner. And now the sum demanded for salvation was far too great for the release of our imprisonment to eternal wrath. So God had to give up something much more. Abraham wasn't enough. Isaac wasn't enough. For the ransom had to pay the ultimate cost. The question is, if Isaac wasn't a great enough sacrifice for God, then who is? Verse 17 actually gives us a slight clue. He who had embraced the promise was, act, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. See, his one and only son in this verse is interesting because the unauthored name of Hebrews uses the same designation for someone else where we find in John chapter 1, verse 14, which says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father. What is John trying to tell us right now? Y'all already know what he's trying to tell us right now. There is only one true, one and only son, and it is not Isaac. No, no, no. My, my God. It is someone far greater. There is a one and only son. The word became flesh, the incarnate word, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the greater Isaac. He is the perfect ransom. That's why we see in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham took his son to Mount Moriah. He bound his son Isaac. He built an altar. He arranged wood on it. But on the other side, God the Father would take his son to Calvary. He would bound his one and only son, and he would lay on top of him a wooden cross. In Genesis chapter 2, as Abraham is about to slay his son with a knife, God would send angels to scream, Abraham, Abraham. Jesus, on the other hand, as a sacrifice says, my God, my God. But there was no stopping to the nails piercing in his hands. There was no stopping this time around to sacrificial injustice to the true one and only son. See, the cost is much. But because of God ransoming Jesus Christ, our spiritual debt is paid off. We are set free. That's why Mark chapter 10 verse 45 proclaims this truth. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was the ultimate ransom. It is the ultimate reward. And what I love about this, the amazing part of this gospel truth, is that even as the price is fully paid through the ransom of his own son, it doesn't even end there. But in him, there is a great reward that follows. Look at verse 19 with me. What's the reward in his sacrifice? Verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Here we see Abraham receiving Isaac back from death. 
and after declaring his faithfulness to God, Yahweh. And what do we see is that his disposition of faith and sacrifice was rewarded life. Isaac was given back to Abraham. See, in the same way, church, when you come to know God and you step in faith and repentance, believing the gospel as true, what it does, it allows you to have new life. You become placed in a position where you're no longer enslaved to your idols, but now you reap the reward of life, which is newfound freedom that the very gospel speaks of. See, if Jesus Christ is the ransom that paid it in full, your reward is always unconditional freedom. You know, many years ago, when I uh, decided to pursue my ministry calling, um, you know, decided to go into seminary, uh, one of the, the most difficult parts in all of this was actually telling my parents. Now, to put some light into this uh, situation, let me, I'm going to share some uh, background. Uh, see, for me, uh, I was, by the grace of God, my parents did really well, and they were very, very successful. Um, they owned numerous successful businesses. Uh, they were extremely educated. They were hardworking, right? Great character, great people. Secondly, I had an older brother that was successful as well, right? Very educated, did well in academia. He would become a pharmacist in the city. And just like a typical uh, Korean family, uh, financial success is pretty key. Um, you know, it's all about being rich and security. And here I am telling them of my career choice. Uh, that's going to make me rich, too, spiritually, <laughs> right? And you ain't making much new ministry. By God's grace, I got my riches in Jesus. Amen. So I finally decided to make this decision to tell my parents. And it was after a family dinner, and it was a very fearful and uh, anxiety-filled time. And uh, I remember uh, I, it was after dinner, and I told my parents, Mom, Dad, um, I know I told you I was going this one route, um, but I decided um, that I'm going to go differently and I'm going to uh, pursue what I think is my ministry calling and uh, enroll into seminary for a master's of divinity. Got real silent. I started to pray. It was still silent. <laughs> I'm sweating, right? This, this isn't good. Uh, after a few minutes later of silence, my mom she says, you know, son, it's your, it's your decision, okay? And son, if that makes you happy, then I'm okay with your decision. Now, to be honest with you, that's what I figured, you know, with my mom especially. You know, my mom's a little more understanding, the caring side. So I kind of figured that was going to happen. See, my fear and anxiety was not from my mom. It was because of my dad. Uh, so my dad is, you know, uh, just to kind of know a little bit more about him, you know, he was a, 
he was a he was a he was a he was a man's man. He was a he was more on the aggressive side, right? He didn't mess around. He was all about being top tier, right? Number one, the successful, the most successful you can be. And he was also a, 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 a sixth-degree Taekwondo black belt. So my high concern was that he might have thr- uh, did a 90-degree thrust kick at me. I didn't know what to expect when I told him uh, of my decision. But in his broken English, uh, I will never forget this. This is probably one of the two times he's ever shared with me in detail. Uh, he begins to speak. And uh, it was in great detail. Obviously, I don't remember word for word, but it was like this. He said, Brian, I worked hard, really hard to get where I am. I gave up much. I worked 13, 14 hour days for 30 straight years. I got robbed numerous times held at gunpoint. I got sick to the point of two open lung surgeries, but it never stopped me. But I did this for you and your brother. And if this is decision that you have made and it makes you happy, well, son, it was all worth it. I did this so you wouldn't have to. See, if I can paraphrase that, I think what my dad was saying, I sacrificed myself, not that you can pay me back, but I sacrificed to show you that I would love you and the hope that you would live in freedom. See, when you look at Jesus Christ on the cross and you see his blood, you see his sweat, and you see his tears, the ultimate sacrifice, know that it is not to eternally damn you, but it's to free you from eternal damnation. I don't know about y'all today, but I praise God that he lived the life that I cannot live. I praise God that he died the death that I could not die. I praise God that he rose again because the only thing I can physically see rise up is the sun that he created. The reward, the sacrifice of Christ is the freedom from the bondage of sin. I will close with this and I will be out your way. What I love about this passage is in verse 19. And uh, verse 19, and this, I think this word would be kind of neglected if you just kind of run through it, but there's actually a key word in verse 19. In verse 19, Scripture tells us that Abraham reasoned. And now in the Greek, that word is logizomai, and it means to reason. It means to reckon. It means to calculate. It means to determine. What does that mean? Well, the road to Mount Moriah for Abraham, it took three full days before the sacrifice was to take place. Now, uh, we can't go too deep, right, on what Abraham was thinking and feeling because I don't know if Scripture necessarily tells that. But I would safely assume to say that in those three days, Abraham wasn't thinking about what's next for dinner. Y'all track with me? Listen, there will be And maybe there is currently a circumstance that is making you doubt your faith. And it may be taking longer than three days. But in your circumstance, in your suffering, 
in your uh, moments where faith is a little shaky, know that your circumstance is not in vain. Hope in Christ. Persevere in faithfulness. And may it be reminded that our faith is based upon, is built through, and refined from the understanding that Jesus Christ is the highest sacrifice on your behalf, for he so loved you. So if you are in this room today and you're a little shaky, you are a little uncertain, you do not know where your hope comes from, May this time, may this be a moment where you begin to say, God, I want to find you and I want to know the sacrifice that you gave on my behalf.